ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show, let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo. Say what you feel, be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto, doctor, D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait, gotta be social Network, global, a home for the locals Gotta be social Network, global, a home for the locals If you're looking to spice up your intimacy and your sex life in particular, I highly recommend Romantic Escapades CBD-infused massage oil and Honey Pot's CBD-infused silicone-based personal lubricant. Uh, as someone who's been in a, a long-term relationship with my wife, uh, it's been an incredible experience using these products. Uh, I'm not someone who's usually pumping products all the time, but I really wanted to get this one out because I think it has uh, really brought even more intimacy into our lives, and it's just fun to use. I mean, sex is fun. Having more fun during it is uh, makes it even more enjoyable, and what makes this even better is the founders, Dennis and Jesse, are just lovely people. Uh, really connected with Dennis on a call, and I just love what they're doing. So get out there and get some more spiciness and excitement in your love life with Romantic Escapade and Honey Pot. And for a special, um, if you go to uh, the website, uh, if you go to uh, fantasticescapades.com, uh, you can use my code Doctor D twenty. Spell out Doctor and then D twenty to get twenty percent off your purchase. Guys, I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Okay, we're here with Devan and Hubert, the author and host of the podcast "Sex, Drugs, and Jesus." Devanin, how are you, man? Fabulous. How are you? <laughs> how are you? How are you? Uh, doing awesome. So, man, I tell you, when I came across what you talk about, I was like, I have to talk to this person. I just, I just have to. I have to like know what's going on here. You know. So, let's go backwards here and talk a little bit about how you grew up in your life and uh, kind of your beginnings. You know. <laughs> now, beginnings was in backwaters, backwoods as Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and um, which is basically like saying you're from the country. You know, I had chickens, I had rabbits, you oh. know, I had garden, I still garden now. And, um, and you know, very Pentecostal upbringing, right. uh, which is a, another way of saying psychological abuse. And... Um, <laughs> 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 Pentecostal Church is a hot fucking damn mess. Right. And so, um, I assume I can cuss on. Yeah, you can say whatever you want on here. What I listened to before. Yeah. Um, um, you know, from the hood, you know, ever the house is a crack house, that type of thing. I uh, wasn't allowed out the yard due to the dangers of the um, environment, though my family didn't really explain that to me. I just understood I'm not supposed to go past this front gate. And right. so uh, it doesn't pay to shelter people because eventually they're going to find out about everything in life anyway. So you may as well just be about it. Um, you know, tough household, you know, you know, I got spankings and whoopers, which is basically a form of physical abuse. You know, one time my dad beat me so much, you know, I had like these whips all up and down my arms. My grandmother oh, had to put, you know, cool towels on them to try to keep the swelling down. Wow. You know, that sort of thing, a small house. It was like, I don't know, maybe six or 700 square feet, if that. 
I'm not I'm spatially challenged, so I don't know. But me and my brother had a bunk bed, bunk bed, which was against my parents' bed that was in the back room. Then my other sibling was in the front room, which also was a living room in their bedroom. Yeah. And we had a tiny little kitchen. There was no kitchen table. You just, you know. So yeah, I'm from the hood. <laughs> so when you were growing up, I mean, when did you know that um, that you were gay? I mean, how quickly did that come about for you? Um, I guess when I started noticing my dad's friends when I was like three or four. Okay. <laughs> and, then my old, and then by the time I was in the third grade, you know, I was on the phone with the other boys, you know, with our little curious minds trying to figure whatever we could out. But I was attracted to boys and girls all throughout grade school. I would kind of go back and forth. Yeah. And so, and I would just crush really huge on any given one sex at a time. Yeah. So tell me about how that conflicted with the religious upbringing. You talked about the Pentecostal church. Tell me a little bit about how, as, as a young person, how that started um, kind of your journey into that in, in spirituality and religion. The Pentecostal church didn't start my journey in the spirituality and religion. I, the Lord approached me personally through dreams because I'm a gifted dreamer. I still dream. Every time I nod off, I have dreams and, the, and there's messages in them and they come true. So when I was probably like around that age, four or five, is when I, the first dream I can remember was one of like a, a golden cross coming to, um, a golden cross with a bunch of jewels in it that was spinning around and around and around and around and in circles and came and stood before me. It was like an appeal. And I think that that was the moment that my spiritual journey started. Now, it was both hurt and helped by the Pentecostal church because, of course, I was sitting there confused about myself because they're telling me, you know, if you're gay, you're going to go to hell and it's wrong. But, you know, I'm not really, you know, but of course I am. And, you, you know, you can't really just like get rid of that. And so... Right. So it was, it was not the place to be. And I don't recommend churches like that to anybody who doesn't, really to anybody at all, but especially if you don't identify as straight because you're just hurting your mind. Yeah. You know, what did it do your, your relationship with, with religion? Was there ever a point where you were like, man, I'm not accepted? And did you feel like you fell away from it? Or did it, in many ways, did it strengthen it? Tell me about that a little bit. I didn't feel like I, 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 I had a close relationship with my pastor, who's now deceased, but she had a very open-minded point of view, which countered that of the Pentecostals. Mm -hmm. She was a very gifted, clairvoyant woman, and she, she was just different, and so I was really under her. I was her personal, like, assistant and altar boy from the eighth grade to the time I went to the military after high school, and so, yeah, the Pentecostals were assholes but she was more like lenient and I just relied on that. And it wasn't until I got kicked out of Lakewood church in Houston, Texas for not being straight. Did I actually have a falling away? And after that, it took about five, six years before I ever walked into a church again. Mm. So when you say kicked out, what, I mean, what was that experience like? Can you take me through that a little bit? Okay. So I was volunteering in the, um, I was spending at least 10 hours a week there volunteering because I'm big on volunteerism in, yeah. in a huge thing with me um so I was Wednesday night Saturday and Sunday I was there Wednesday I was teaching a group of third grade boys 
I was also the volunteer supervisor over all the other like 20 something teachers. So I would get there early to set up. I was in charge of the check-in process. You know, I checked all the kids out and everything like that. And then I sang in the adult choir on Saturday night and then the two English services on Sunday morning. And so, um, so this was back when MySpace was a thing. I, <laughs> my friend, me and my friend got a little tipsy one night and decided to do an impromptu photo shoot. And I had the tatas hanging out uh -oh. as they should be, as they <laughs> should be. And uh, all I had on was like a cowboy hat and some torn sleeves yeah. from, from some shirt and, uh, and, and my little underwear. And I looked good. And so I was like, this is don't go. <laughs> Oh, my MySpace profile page, and I just left it there. I wasn't really working social media. Social media was new. Yeah. yeah, I applied for a job at Lakewood because I was really, really into the church, into everything, and I was, you know, going to school for seminary, and because I wanted to, you know, be a worship leader, preacher, or whatever. And so they went and dug up the social media because of the job application. And then I get a text. You know, they need to talk to me. I had that feeling like I was in trouble. I asked them and they lied. They're like, no, we just want to talk, whatever. And so I get there that Saturday before I am to, to go uh, volunteer as usual. And oh shit. And then I was also a worship leader for the kids, for the kids service too. Yeah. And, um, and so they're like, we found your MySpace uh, photo and uh, uh, due to this, you you're basically fired from all of the things that you wow. were doing, everything that had to do with the kids and the stuff that had nothing to do with the kids, essentially saying, because you're not straight, you're a pedophile and you're a threat to these children. Because they offered me, um, I'll never forget the, the way they, because uh, this is already decided before I even walked in, they were interested in anything from my point of view, my perspective, my motivations, done, not interested the, the 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 judgment the gavel hadn't been banged before I even walked through the door and I'll never forget the way because they had the lady who was in charge of the kids choir and the man in charge of the adult choir there to 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 handle this and she was all like they were like they saw I was hanging out in Montrose you know in the gay district in Houston and they were like you you can't be doing that over there hanging out with them mm. and I was like thinking to myself who the fuck is them bitch those are my people you yeah. talk about you basic asshole and so um so then they offered me a conversion therapy package and they were oh. like and they were like conversion therapy come on right they were like you can you can become an usher we're going to demote you to an usher um and if you read these books and become ungay then eventually you can work your way back up and oh my goodness and <laughs> Is this real life? This can't this is, be real life. This I mean. is real life. And so, and I was like, okay, either I'm going to whip their asses or I'm just going to walk the fuck out. This is the only two yeah. choices because they're not interested in hearing anything I have to say. And I just got up and walked the fuck out. And, I, and the last time I looked at them, they just looked at each other like they were completely confused that I did not accept the conversion therapy package. They just mm. couldn't understand why I would just leave. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I've seen shows actually. There was a, I think there's a documentary out on one of the streaming platforms. It's about like conversion therapy from back in the day. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's actually crazy. It's kind of like the whole thing where they say, oh, pray the gay away type of thing, you know? And all this is so destructive. It's so <laughs> destructive. Like, how do you plan on reaching people? The weird thing about the church, I've been a, I've been a lifelong Christian. 
And it's weird as sometimes I think the the controversy about the church is to profess to have values of one way, but then actually the actions are very different than the value system that is preached a lot of times, you know? Right. Well, the reason that is, is because everybody has a different interpretation of scripture. Right. And so what they did to me and, and what you're talking about is called pray away on Netflix. Yeah. Pray away. That's what I saw. Yeah. How soon as that came out, I was at, had my controller and my plane. <laughs> I was like, I need this tea. I need all of it. Yes. And, um, but everyone has a different interpretation. So, and that's why I say people who are not straight don't need to go to, to places who think that they're going to be judged because they're not thinking that they're doing anything wrong. Yeah. They think the way they look at scripture is correct and also very non-negotiable with them. Right. But them people in prayer way needed to have their asses whipped. Like, okay, <laughs> it's a good thing that they saying it now. Yeah. But bitch, look at all the damage you've done. You need an yeah. ass whooping. I'm not for corporal punishment or physical violence, but that's... Mm, mm. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know, my wife and I are watching it. We're like, this is crazy. Like, this is like... And I know for me, like, I've... I have over the course of my time, like, listen, listen, man, isn't the mission to care about people, to love all people, no matter what, just to love people. And I see some churches now that they're very open to actually open to all people. Like, actually, they're more progressive. Have you seen that? I've seen it in different varieties. Okay. And so the truest form of that are going to be like your Presbyterian, some of your, some of your Presbyterian churches. Okay your Lutheran churches, your Episcopalian churches, your metropolitan community churches, stuff like that. They'll, they'll ordain trans people, gay people, women, yeah. it doesn't matter. Now, the variety of that that I'm not overly fond of is the ones that are like, okay, well, all things are a sin and we're gonna classify the LGBTQIA, my, my, my alphabet mafia, mm -hmm. you know, in that, but we're not gonna pick up you know, emphasize that, you know, like super conservative people do, but they still don't think it's right, but they're not necessarily going to judge that, that, that purgatory there. I'm not about, Yeah. and so they have to be very, very upfront about, we don't think it's wrong. We don't think it's wrong with you. We don't just classify it as another one of all the sins. So it depends. So when people are picking churches to go to, you got to ask the questions and a lot of times they don't really want to answer mm. because I've emailed several churches and stuff like that back in the day when I was trying to re reestablish my footing yeah. about where they stand on LGBTQIA issues. And most of them would not respond to me. Mm. Now, now they'll go get the money on Sunday and they'll go, go, you know, have all these conferences and everything and sell all the tapes and stuff. But then when somebody asks a question about their stance and they know where they stand, they don't want to say anything. Yeah. So... Hmm. So tell me about that journey, about you getting back into church and, um, and where that currently stands for you, actually. Well, where it currently stands is that I finally matured enough and learned to separate God from people. Hmm. So when that foolishness happened at Lakewood, I was not as far along as I thought I was in my spiritual walk. Yeah. And what I should have done was licked my wounds when got some counseling and found a very accepting church rather than throwing it all away together. Mm. I should never have let that experience separate me from God for all those years the way I did. But my value system was 
was thrown off and I didn't realize it. So see if some bullshit happens now from anybody, spirit, supposed to be a spiritual leader or whatever. Okay. Yeah. You know, we'll water off a duck's back, bitch. I saw it coming anyway, you yeah. know, but, um, so I don't care to be called a Christian anymore. I just, mm. because the name, where did that start? Back at Antioch, back in the book of Acts, because they needed some sort of way to differentiate the people who were going to maintain the old ways of being Jewish and following the Lord and those who want to go forth with Jesus. So they needed a title. And that's where Christian came from. I feel like that name, name is a hot mess now. Where from somewhere and I, and I would tell someone I'm a Christian, they would clam up and get mm. cold and maybe ask something like, well, what kind of Christian are you? Like the Republican type of Christian <laughs> or the really cool type of Christian. Uh. But I didn't... I didn't like the fact that there was anything that I said that would make somebody have any kind of negative feeling. Yeah. And that word now provokes a negative response. And so I don't need the word to define me. And so I'm simply a follower of Christ, a believer, just, just like that. I don't, I don't, so I don't associate with the word Christian anymore. And um, the journey back, the first time I went to church after I got kicked out of Lakewood, I was in rehab in Shreveport because after I got kicked out, that set in motion the um, the stage for me to get into drugs and stuff like that because mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much we as humans seek community. Yes, didn't realize it. It's like it's like water finding its own level. We gonna go find some sort of group of fucking people, and I didn't realize right. this. And so I went into deeper into the clubs before I got kicked out of Lakewood. I was only going to the club like maybe once or twice a month. After that, I started going every night. And so because I wanted to be around people who would not judge me and I knew I wouldn't be judged for being gay at gay clubs. Yeah. Then came along, you know, guys with drugs, which they had offered me drugs before, but hell, I didn't have time for all that. I was at the church. And so I had all this extra time. These dudes were showing me attention. And that's how I first started doing drugs, which led to me being a drug dealer and then being homeless and then going to jail and all of that, which led to rehab, which led to me going back to church but that wasn't it then I started experimenting with different religions and I would go mm -hmm. hang out with Buddhists and stuff like that you know and then eventually I got regrounded back with Jesus after some time yeah yeah so it's very interesting I mean what a journey I mean it sounds like in be that in between time there was just a lot happening in that time and there was it seems like maybe just a lot of turmoil during that time, trying to figuring out what was going on and that it, it cut you deeper than maybe you thought of being kicked out of the church, you know? Yeah, it did. I didn't understand trauma either. I hadn't had that type yeah. of training. And um, because it wasn't like a throbbing pain, it was more like a, a very insidious, under the surface almost kind of fracture that affected the decisions that I've made moving forward and I didn't realize it. Right. And it took a long, 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 long time. And I didn't ever really volunteer in a church again. You know, I was like, I'm done with that. Um, oh shit, then I forgot, you know, well, rebuilding, yeah. But you know, I got HIV and hepatitis B in the process too, after all of this happened. Right. So it wasn't just going, it was going back to church, trying to get a spiritual grounding. I was homeless, so I had to, you know, live, you know, get like the basic needs met again, you know, food, clothing, shelter, consistent income, 
all of that was being pieced back together at the same time as well with yeah. my mind, <laughs> you know, and so. Right. Man, I mean, what a journey. That sounds like a lot to overcome at that, with that. It seems like I'm being homeless, having HIV. Where was your family and all of this? I'm curious. What was that relationship like? Okay, so siblings were in Houston where I was. Mm -hmm. Parents were in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, like four hours away. So they didn't really know. And I didn't tell anybody about the HIV because I just could not articulate it. I wasn't, I was too prideful. I was more prideful than I thought I was. Yeah. And I just didn't, I didn't want to be weak like that. And I was weak and all of my dreams of living forever. And I was in my twenties, you know, I'm going to live yeah. forever. You know, I'm, in, I'm, <laughs> I'm invulnerable. Can nothing hurt me? Well, you know, I've just been infiltrated now. All of that came crashing down. And so, yeah. so my siblings were there. <laughs> One of them was like, don't come to my house, you know, don't come around here because, you know, they had kids and they really, really closed the door on me instantly before I even did anything to them. And then the other one was like, um, I stayed with, with them for maybe like a, a couple of days and they kind of got like abusive towards me. And then I like walked out of there and left. And then by the time my parents caught wind of stuff, they, I think that was after a SWAT had come and raided me. And then I was, and then that's when I became homeless after the drug raid. Yeah. And then can't exactly go move back into your apartment. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, for sure. So my parents came and they did what they could to help. And my good friend and attorney had a big part in me getting the probation, which got me transferred to Baton Rouge. So how I got out of Houston. So my family was around, but the thing is they were not around in the way that they should have been in the first place. I'm the youngest person in the family. Okay. So nobody taught me about sex. No one taught me about drugs. None of that, even though we were raised in the hood, you know, the, the sex talk was my, my dad took me and my brother out one time just on the just driving around. He reached in the glove compartment and got about some condoms. He was like, here, use these. The end done. Wow. And the rest and the rest I learned from Scrabble Vision, Skinamax, Real Sex, Red Shoe Diaries, you know, good, wholesome stuff like that. Good, wholesome stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is where I learned about the sex it was from television. Yeah. And so um, so I was all fucked up and um. And yeah, so that's so had, I wish they had been there. My decisions are my own, mm -hmm. what I decided to do. And nobody really said much. Maybe they understood that they didn't prepare me. You know, I learned everything about the, the streets while I was there on the streets. Man, I mean, you know, it's interesting to whole sex talk. What you received is probably not that uncommon from what a lot of people received, honestly. You know, parents are pretty terrible about it. And no matter how well to do they are or not, there seems to be this weird thing about talking about sex, which is funny. I have a lot of episodes with a lot of like sex therapists or people who are in polyamorous relationships. I just think it's important to explore all the different elements and, and be educated about it. But especially, I think it's interesting. I wonder what your thoughts are about this with religion and sexuality and what's taught there and what your thoughts are on that my thoughts are the same as all things when it comes to anything that has to do with religion is that it's up for interpretation mm. now 
um, because of the subjectiveness of the languages. And so what I do now, something that I didn't do before is I got me concordances and different books and yeah. many people have written books on how to go through and read. Okay, so like the Old Testament is um, like Aramaic and Hebrew That's and the right. New Testament is Greek. So I go through and I read the fucking shit myself and come up with my <laughs> own damn conclusions. Uh -huh. Because because if you if, if you don't do that, then you're getting somebody else's twist on something. Mm. And if in um, so my take on sex is just like they had it in the Bible. They was fucking all kinds of people. How many wives <laughs> did did uh, King Solomon and David have? A bunch. Actually, you're so right about that. There's <laughs> a lot going on there. The patriarchs. How many wives? They wouldn't. They wouldn't trying to have one. Hey, all to the no. They had several options, and so I'm not saying. So I think whatever it is that you do is right. Just be honest about it all. And then be sure that you have your life before the Lord or, you know, whatever it is you believe in. And as you get closer to God, is there, if there's anything at all you do and he don't want you to do over time, he will naturally wean that off of you, shave that off of you because you can't fix nothing until he's ready for you to fix it. All you can do is be willing to let it happen. But to answer your question, sexuality is something that is to be explored. Um, there's, 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 um, I mean, there's just so much. So a lot of people try to say, you know, marriage is supposed to be between one man and one woman, but it depends on how you want to look at it. Mm. You know, there are marriages in the Bible between a man and a woman, but nowhere in there does it say that this is supposed to be the blueprint for everyone else. That's mm. just one way it was done. But if somebody wants to twist your mind around and be like, because it's in here, this is the only way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, I do not accept a lot of teaching from people because the Bible isn't from the United States. You know, it's from right. the Middle East and not and not enough people really give, pay tribute and respect to the fact that it's not really our religion. You know, nothing really in America is like there's no American language. There's no American religion. Everything fucking came here from somewhere else. But yeah. conservative people like to get a hold of shit and uh, act like they created it and are the experts on it and that's bullshit. There's somebody else's. I would take an expert word from someone who's Jewish or originally of the bloodline of Abraham than I would over an American televangelist or preacher any day. It was funny you said that is I was just having a conversation about this um, because I mean, I don't really care about what, the, what, what people think about this, but like, I really don't like, and this is not because we're, we're black and we're saying it's just, let I me mean, disqualify. It's not that, but like white Jesus, Italian Jesus is not accurate. Just so you know, that is not, that is an actual portrait that was created a long time ago, but that is not how Jesus looks. But just everybody, in case you weren't aware, that is not true. That is not a factual interpretation of what Jesus looks like. He doesn't look like Alabama from the 1980s. It's not that's not true that's you know i just that always bothers me as i'm like this is not an accurate depiction of of christ of jesus you know <laughs> like that this is the middle east what do you think he looks like not like italian jesus i can tell you that right now in fact you look more like you and me man i'm telling you and you see how it didn't bother white people who were in control of the interpretation of things and the way shit is because it wasn't us 
yeah. <laughs> especially in the United States, didn't mind. There wasn't important to them to be accurate in their depiction. That they wanted it to look like them. And it's no different in the way the Bible is interpreted. They don't give a damn about actually making sure it's accurate to the land that it came from. You know, they're concerned about it fitting in whatever their agenda is. Yeah. I just think there's, that always got to me. And I always, I'm like, this is, uh, why do I keep seeing this? You know, like it's, it's just, there's a lot of factual elements and one of those, that's certainly not one of them. But what do you think that, I just, I think religion or especially Christianity and, and most religions have a presentation problem, a big presentation problem. And if you look at a lot of the research it's not that people don't believe in God. In fact, there's a tremendous, people have this tremendous desire to believe in something greater than themselves, but they're catching on that they don't like the presentation of it mm -hmm. to them. And then what are your thoughts about that? The presentation is correct in, from the perspective of the people doing the presenting because they have an agenda, which mm -hmm. is to keep money coming into their churches. Okay. So they're going to have good kids programs because kids bring the parents to church, parents bring the money. Uh, they're going to have good music. Music inspires people. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to, to, to put theatrics on because as I learned when I was getting my hypnotherapy certification, whenever you can overwhelm the, the uh, critical mind with a whole bunch of extrasensory stuff, people are susceptible. So then if you got them listening and all kinds of stuff, looking at the flashing lights, you know, you're doing all your thing, people are not going to be as critical of the presentation from churches as, as they would if they were setting down calmly. So, um, so it's set up to fit their agenda, which is to bankroll what they're doing. Um, now, from my perspective, they need to go sit on their fucking asses and stop being so damn extra. For me to tell somebody that I stop being extra is a stretch because I'm extra <laughs> fuck. <laughs> All I do is over the top because why the hell not? Uh... So, but the theatrics are not necessary. You know, as, as it says in the Bible, you know, Jesus taught with simplicity. Right. You know, he didn't have a big show and everything like that. And the fact that that was something that even stood out enough for them to record the fact that he was chill. Yeah. A big deal, which means that the Pharisees and, and the religious people of the day were not chill. And so Jesus was totally like chill. And this is something that shocked them. Mm. And so, and so no, I, I think just be simple about it, make it so that people can understand it and for God's sakes have something in common with somebody rather before you go and try to convert them and stuff like that. Yeah. And so the presentation is, is a hot mess, which is why I don't care to be referred to as a Christian, you know, when you see preachers spending millions of dollars on jets, you know, and right, stuff like right. that. If it's your money from your book sales or whatever, okay, by all means, yeah. but the church money, <laughs> yeah. but you know the parishioners are sitting there going along with it because they are they are not being they're not being trained to be critical of their leaders yeah yeah that's an interesting not being trained to be critical of their leaders is kind of like just fall in line uh, for that and i also mentioned like presentation like i'm seeing that when we look at the research information a lot of younger people are not attending your more traditional mm -hmm. church they want it presented in a different way, maybe less, less stuffy. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I've been in churches my whole life and 
you know, there's a church that's super traditional and there's a hymn in the pew. And, you know, that appeals to some people and some people it has zero appeal. And then I've been to churches where it's like a rock concert, huge right. church. Where, where does the church go in the future to appeal to be more inclusive, truly more inclusive to all people? Well, the first thing they would have to do is actually truly decide that. Mm. And that's not something that a lot of them are going to do because they already have determined that certain classes of people are unworthy or less than. And in order for them to do that, they would have to have a complete revolution of the way they look at stuff. And people don't really like to change a whole hell of a lot, especially with working. You're already rich. You already have got a lot of success behind you. What is their impetus to fuck with that? And so my message is to people to change their position of where they go and what they believe because churches, I would not sit around holding my breath for them to change. Yeah. I would find somewhere that is more open and warm and receptive. But if a church should so happen to have a change of heart, mm -hmm. <laughs> be willing to take a second look at things, oh, gain yeah. some goddamn humility, perhaps, uh -huh. you know, I would probably fall out in the middle of the street because I'm <laughs> not waiting for that to happen. They, yeah. People don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've learned in, uh, in, in my studies and my education, it's very difficult for people to change their mind. And in large, in large mass, it's very difficult for people to change their mind for that. But what's cool is there are definitely some different churches out there starting churches in very different non-traditional places. Actually, I was just reading this article and it was called Blessings in a Pub. Mm -hmm. And it's about this church that has been going on for 12 years and they actually hold it at a bar <laughs> every, every week. It's highly successful. It's just interesting like to plant something in a place that I would say traditional churches would say, no, you can't do that. You know. I think that's incredibly clever. Yeah, I think that's incredibly clever because they're meeting people where they're at. They're showing people that they're not going to judge them. Yeah. They're showing people that they are non-traditional because, you know, the, the, the traditional religions tell you not to even go to a bar. Right. That's the devil. And God forbid you have some libation. Oh, Lord, you know, you're really out of the box on that one. So that's right. see, that's a good soul winning there. Because mm. they're establishing a bond with people. Yeah. They're meeting over drink, which is a tradition that's as old as time. That's right. You know, and they're, they're, and they're not actually trying to convert people. They're probably doing what Jesus said do. You know, if he, all he said was, if I be lifted up, I would draw men onto me. He didn't say go hunt people. He didn't say go create laws to force people to act like you think they're supposed. He didn't say do all that. He didn't say do all that. He said, be chill, get to know people, talk about me, whoever it is that I want, I will draw the others not. Not everybody is supposed to be a fucking Christian. And so why make such a big fuss over it? You know, but if you feel called, my hat's off. I respect the fuck out of them. What city they in? I need oh my gosh. I want to say, oh my gosh. I think it's in Texas, actually. Strangely, what? strangely enough, Tex <laughs> you're going to have a heart attack right now. I just told you that. <laughs> You're going to have a heart attack, man. <laughs> oh, I know I should have brought my fan. Click. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's some really cool stuff happening in places that you would probably not think that this is happening. 
Um, and even like I saw another documentary, it's great. It's on Amazon Prime, everyone. And by the way, we have 22 people listening live to this right now. It's amazing. They're checking out Devan and Hubert, author uh, and host of Sex, Drugs, Jesus. But this, this uh, church in Oklahoma, I'm talking Oklahoma here, okay? It's called uh, Her American Heretics is the, the documentary. You'll love it. And it's about this church. A woman is the pastor, and there's also a guy. But they, they take in immigrants. They celebrate Pride Month hard. They do everything. I mean, they're truly a very inclusive church and a place that is definitely not inclusive. <laughs> and uh, it's really powerful. It's actually a really powerful documentary about reaching out and actually being the real church, which is including all people, loving all people, truly without an agenda, you know? Well, I'm really fucking happy to hear that is there because in all places, that's where it's needed because yeah. in a place that's filled with hate, like Texas, yes. and I've lived there before, I know, um, you know, a church like that, it could be the difference between whether or not a gay teen commits suicide or not, because you know right. he has right. somewhere to go, or however they identify. It doesn't have to be a he. Yeah, you know, and so, um, so I don't mind. I mean, that to me is light in the darkness. Yes, sir. To conservative people, that that open-minded church is the darkness in their light. Mm. You see, see, it's all about perspective. Yes. And why don't waste time trying to, to, to fuck with churches like that? You know, yeah. my message is for people to encourage them to do their own research and stuff because getting into perspective, because the thing that I fought them for, yeah, I don't want to have that same fault. Like I fought them for not, for thinking that their way is the only way something should be. And yeah. then everyone else is wrong if they don't hold conservative values. But I can't be like, well, my liberal way must be right too. Right. You know, yeah. I don't really see a common ground for us in this life. Mm. You know, look at all the confusion. Why the fuck do we have all, so many damn different Christian denominations? Right. You know, a lot of them had their history, like say black people were not welcome in white churches. So you kind of had to do your own shit. Sure. I get that. But even among white people, you got all these different denominations. You take the same text from the Bible, you got 50,000 different translations. You know, why? Because everybody want to do shit their own fucking way. And then all of those people think their way is the only damn way, yeah. by and large. Yeah. And so just uh, last that I saw, it was 30,000 different denominations of Christianity. 30,000. That's crazy. <laughs> that's actually- that No damn sense. That's actually crazy. That don't make no damn sense. It's confusing, yeah. right? Yeah. So then people push what they think is right on, like, like you just said, with that, you know. I'm actually working on a second book called Don't Call Me a Christian. Interesting. And um, and it's going to get into depth into that, into the fuckery. Because if I was a new person starting out in life considering religion and I researched it, Christianity, Buddhism, and Taoism. I would run away from Christianity because it's so fucking confusing the way it's presented. Right. And just, you would think that, you know, like Buddhism is simple. I can get 15 of my churches to go down, 15 of my friends to go down to the Buddhist temple with me right now. 
and I've done that before, yeah. but try to get them to go to a Christian church. They'd be like, boy, bye, <laughs> boy, bye. We'll see you after. Mm -mm. Yeah. I can do yeah. it because it's too fucking complicated. It's too confusing. It's too judgy and everything like that. And so, yeah, I, I intend to tackle that in, in great detail. Because yeah. it shouldn't be. It seems like we should all be able to worship the same God on one accord and be cool, but it's just not that way. Yeah. No, it's definitely not that way. And, it's, and that's why I was saying, like, there's a presentation problem. Like, what you just said is, is makes that point. There's a presentation. Why is there just this, oh, I can't go there, but I'll try this. It's a presentation. It's a huge presentation problem. And it's one that I think if you're new into spirituality, because a lot of people are, especially in today's world, people are seeking spirituality. They disdain religion many ways because of how it's been presented or the lack of presentation to them growing up for that. And that's why I say it's like there's a massive presentation problem, and which is why a lot of churches are shrinking quite or closing because you can't come with this old stuff, man, with people. Ain't nobody got time for that. No. Ain't nobody got time. But you see in the Bible, it says that, you know, in the last days, and I'm not saying Jesus is going to come back tomorrow when I say that because he isn't. I'm just like, this is just the way it reads in the Bible. So yeah. like, it just says, you know, like in the last days, um, that there would be a great falling away. And now you see the conservative people believe that that falling away is going to be because people just want to go be what they, what they would define as heathen and just abandon God. Yeah. It never occurred to them that that falling away might be because of the bullshit that happens in the church. Mm. <laughs> you mm. know, so when I read that, oh yeah, I see, yeah, the churches are shrinking. And when you go into these churches, they're sitting there literally scratching their heads. They can't figure out why people <laughs> don't want to come to their church. Huh. Hmm. What could it be? You condemn every damn thing. You can't fuck, you can't masturbate, you can't smoke, you can't do no weed, you can't dance, you can't do shit. You offer no alternatives. No, no. nobody wants to yeah. do that. Yeah. And yet still people have a great desire for God, for something greater than them, even with that. So well, how do you get, you need to, it can't be a punitive Jesus, a God that is punitive constantly that you can't do anything. It can't be, I always say this, if your religion is always about looking down instead mm -hmm. of looking up, you're pushing people away tremendously. Right. And we're always going to seek that because, you know, people ask, what's the purpose of life? Your, your, your purpose of life is to get your soul straightened out, to get close to your creator so that when your ass dies, you're not sit, standing there looking at a stranger. Okay, so you have somebody great to have an afterlife with. Your purpose is to find him and to find your purpose. And so you're always going to be feeling that urging, or at least when the time is right for each individual person. Now that punitive stuff comes from the Old Testament when, yeah. when the, the nation of Israel was developing and growing and warring. And, you know, if you did the wrong shit, you, you, you got killed, ostracized. And you know what? It was what it was. But, but, but that does not translate into the work that Jesus has did. And now this yeah. is when we get into the subjectiveness and the pickiness of the way people want to be. So, so if it's something that suits them, then they don't want to really be mean and punitive about it. But if right. it, but if it's against somebody else, so like say, um, uh, 
marriage, divorce. Right. Jesus was like, you're not supposed to get divorced unless somebody was fucking around. You know, somebody right. Else, right. in those terms, people, but you know, this is my take on it. You know, <laughs> be like, if the dick went somewhere it wasn't supposed to go, oh, oh your ass can leave. <laughs> if you left for any other reason jesus said as far as i'm concerned you're still married to that person and you're committing adultery doesn't matter what anybody else say yeah um if you really want to get ticky about it you know um mixed race couples strictly speaking the lord didn't want his people to mix with them either now you know however yeah. are okay with divorce they're okay with mixed race and i don't give a fuck what you do so, so the punitiveness comes from the Old Testament when they had those right. strict rules. Um, but in the book of Acts, and this here is what I say to release a lot of people from this, from this bullshit. In the book of Acts, they had a consortium, like a meeting to determine what people who are not of the bloodline of Abraham have to do and what those who are have to do. And especially they're going to cling to the old ways. And so they came out of that meeting and just said that we're not supposed to eat like strangled animals. It all had to do with like idol worship. Yeah. Like that. Other than that, they were like, we're completely free from anything else in the law, you know? And so, so I don't, so, the, so there's so much mercy in that, but there's also a lesson in there about the hypocrisy of conservative people because they had to have that meeting in the book of Acts people who are not of the bloodline of Abraham, which is pretty much all of us, yeah. you know, were not accepted by, by Jewish people. Jesus had been coming down his work and they didn't give a fuck. Some did, some didn't. Yeah. So the same people who want to tell, you know, my people to get out of churches and stuff like that would have been told the same thing by the actual bloodline of Abraham. Right. You know, which is complete bullshit. Says so they're using somebody else's Bible to tell like me, I have to leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah I but that's where that punitive thinking comes from but it's, it's over now yeah and i think especially because people who are growing up in this age are not standing for that they're they're not the 1950s 1960s 70s they're like listen this is wrong we need to be inclusive we need to care about all people of different genders ethnicities all those things, how can this be presented this way? But you actually don't believe it and how you treat people and people aren't having it. They're not. So it's either there has to be a change. Like you said, it's hard for churches to do that. And often it's, it's these disruptive churches, the startup churches who are started by people who are like, I love God, but I, what, what I've seen is not right how this is, this is not, an, this is not the Jesus that is actually spoken about. Mm -hmm. Right. And why that is, is because like, say a lot of my straight friends won't go to church, not because they experience anything bad, but because of the things that they've witnessed that happen to their friends who are not straight. Interesting. So people think they ponder the young generation included hell that's us too shit yeah oh, i'm still young come on i'm 43 oh, oh. come on <laughs> so, <laughs> I look young look at my hair come on <laughs> and um so they consider people think more now so they consider okay the the preachers and the people on tv and whatever said this but i have a friend who identifies as trans or whatever mm -hmm. they don't seem all that evil to me 
They're very, very nice. Yeah. I can go to them. They took me to the doctor when I was sick. They fed me when I was hungry. It doesn't add up. The actual real person doesn't add up to the way they're being characterized by the conservative people. Yeah. And so since that don't, them two things don't jive together, then that creates a breaking away from the Christianity. Yeah. So. That's interesting. I never thought about it from that perspective that, um, you know, people who are friends with people who are a straight person who's friends with someone who's trans or gay or lesbian, they're like, I'm not attending this because this doesn't include my friends. This is wrong or that. And I think like, do churches know that? Do they realize that that's happening? Child, they got their heads <laughs> so far up their own cooters. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't tell you shit. They, they, when you surround yourself in these churches, small and big, with a bunch of people who do not challenge you, yeah. it's not going to happen. And you know, and those people don't have people really challenging them. Why would they? They're already rich. They already have the following. What is the impetus to change? Why in the hell would you show up there and be like, maybe being gay isn't so bad, Lakewood or whatever church it yeah. is, big or small. Now you're gonna get yourself kicked out and ostracized and stuff when the easiest thing to do is just go to a more accepting place because you're not gonna change yeah. that institution. Yeah. You know, uh-uh. Yeah, I, I remember I was, uh, when we first moved up here, I went to, we went to a church and uh, the pastor's a very nice person, but he was like, oh, you know, all my gay brothers and sisters are here. We welcome you here, but you know, I don't agree with what you're doing. And I told my wife, I said, we, we're, not, uh, we're not coming back here. I said, and she, I said, yeah, I said, you know what? It's just like speaking out of two sides of your mouth. I was like, how can you welcome somebody on one thing and then tell them, you know, I don't agree with what you're doing. And, I, and that just bothered me so much. It, it just, I don't know. It still bothers me talking about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You want to slap that motherfucker. <laughs> Sometimes. Motherfucker. How? How? <laughs> need to pull a Samuel Jackson on the ass oh. and just, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I like a Pulp Fiction on it, right? <laughs> the Pulp Fiction, that hoe. Oh, man. That bothered me. I mean, it still bothers me. I tell that story just because it's, it's not like this person's not a nice person, but the fact that they said that, it showed what they were thinking, you know? To them, that's their form of mercy. In the South, right. they say that shit like this. We, we love you, we hate the sin. And to them, they mm. think that they're being so cool and open-minded when they say that. Yeah. And yeah, bitch, but you're still focusing on what you think my sexuality means and you don't know because you haven't even come and hung out with us. Yeah. And so, um, so you did right to walk the fuck away from there and see that there is more like a tolerance thing. And yeah. I don't preach tolerance because tolerance is not enough. We need to be fully accepted through and through without anything yeah. in the back of anybody's head about the wrongness in us. You know, nobody has a right to deal with anybody thinking something's wrong with somebody because we yeah. all got shit wrong with us. So he said daddy didn't say nothing about people beating their wives and people cheating and people murdering. They don't talk about any of that. All they want to do is talk about the gays. And then having them same preachers maybe taking it up the ass. It has been done. You know, just because they preach against us don't mean they're not fucking around, you know, or they cheating, fucking the different people in the churches and stuff like that. The shit happens. 
the shit happen. And a lot of times people like to speak against stuff because they're doing it themselves and mm. they want to project the conflict that they have within themselves right. on other people. And I learned a lot about that in my hypnotherapy training about the complexity of the mind and how really a lot of people don't know why they're doing what they're doing, why they're saying what they're saying, and they haven't really come to terms with the inner working mechanisms that are truly driving them. Yeah. And those preachers are no less fucked up than anybody else in this world. And so we can't just accept what they say. We have to try their asses, you know, and get into that word for ourselves. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Um, and transitioning a little bit, tell me a little bit about your podcast. And so for everyone listening, we have over 30 people listening right now, checking out what you're saying and want to get a good idea about your podcast, how they can listen to it and just kind of, is it very similar to the conversation we're having here today? Hey, everyone. So glad that y'all are tuning in. We know you have your choice of podcasts, and so we're glad you decided to tune into the social network today. That's right. Um, well, my podcast probably has a lot more cussing and <laughs> talk in it and stuff like that. But it's in terms of being controversial in its topics, you know, laced with religion and, you know, a side of dick. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay i didn't see that coming all right <laughs> okay that threw me off for a second <laughs> Funny, everything boils down the dick at the end of the damn day okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> but sexdrugsandjesus.com is the website just okay. sexdrugsandjesus.com and it links to everything social media forthcoming videos you can get a free first chapter of the book my memoir and everything there everything yeah wow that's amazing devannon this has been an honest talk uh, a super honest talk about all things religion spirituality sexuality drugs thank you for being on i really appreciate it absolutely so much darren thank you for having me you got it all right i will be in touch for sure okay when it's time for an adventure on the open highway, one quick call to American Family Insurance gets you headed in the right direction. Our travel peace of mind package is there if you encounter a bump in the road. From roadside assistance to rental car coverage, we have you covered. Find a local agent or get a quote at amfam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. At Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.